you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Naim, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, And the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. G'day church, Uh, Pastor Andrew here. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. And let's be glad as we come to God's word together now. And I'm going to pray and pray that you would pray with me that as we open this word together, God would speak. And wherever we're at, whatever this week's like, we'd hear from God, our mighty Savior. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word today, we thank you that you are alive, uh, that this is the day that you have made, that you are on your throne. And as we open together your word, we pray that it, you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be stirred, and that our affections would be lifted towards you. And we pray this knowing that we can never try to manufacture it. This is something that only you give to us. So by your Spirit, do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, what's your reaction to emotions? You know, those things like feelings. Uh, Let me give you a stereotype. Um, Women love emotions and they love feelings and they love to talk about them and men get uncomfortable. They look at the ground and they reach for the remote control. Now, that's obviously a massive stereotype, but I think it'd be true to say that in Australian society, maybe it's a a legacy of of our British background and the stiff upper lip, that we can be nervous about emotions. Don't get emotional we say. Um, We're taught in school, don't use emotive arguments, use cold, hard facts. Why? Because, well, emotions are suspicious. They can't really be trusted. So, a couple of questions for you. Question number one, did Jesus have emotions and feelings? What do you think? Well, 
Easy answer, Andrew. Of course he had emotions and feelings. Jesus was fully human, so of course he felt things. He had feelings and emotions. Well, second question for you, does Jesus still have emotions now? Right now? Um, Well, he's fully human in heaven, so yes, he must have emotions. Isn't it interesting that it's a harder one for us to answer, isn't it? Because sometimes I think we can imagine Jesus for 33 years on the earth, and we can imagine him then having emotions and feelings, but now he's gone up to heaven, and we kind of think, well, it's kind of different. Maybe he doesn't have emotions and feelings. But, but actually, the ancient heresy of Eutychianism said that Jesus was fully human, but now he's in heaven. He's not fully human anymore, and that's actually a heresy. Jesus continues to have feelings and emotions because he continues to be fully human. If you could reach out right now, and wouldn't this be amazing to do? If you could reach out into heaven, you could take Jesus' hand or you could hold his wrist. You would feel the heart pumping. You would feel the blood flowing through his veins. So yes, Jesus still has emotions. All right, one more question for you. Is Jesus more emotional than us, or is he less emotional? More emotional or less emotional? Now, let's go back to the stereotype. The women are, he's definitely more emotional than we are. And the men are, oh, no, 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 Jesus is less emotional than we are. And again, it's the stereotype. And um, the reality is that um, the fall... By that, I mean a human sin against God has twisted our emotional response. It has made us, in some cases, sinfully over-emotional, and in other cases, sinfully under-emotional. Um, sometimes under-emotional particularly is a devastating one. Think of us, or think of people going through a marriage breakup where there's just numbness. They no longer, longer feel the tragedy of what is going on in their relationship or, or think of the emotional fatigue when we get yet another email about yet another crisis that's asking for our, our prayer and our finances or the emotional schizophrenia that we sometimes feel where we can sob desperately over a football game where our, our team loses or a, a movie that um, jerks our heartstrings and yet we can be completely indifferent to the suffering and pain in the lives of those around us. So is Jesus more emotional than us or is he less? Well, Jesus is the only perfectly human being since Adam. He is the only one fully untouched by the presence and the power of sin. So Jesus' emotions are are completely, rightly focused in their expression and their intensity. But if we're going to answer that question, is he he less emotional or more emotional? I think we'll see that he was more emotional in a true sense. And let's look at that together because I think it's good for us to do because like many men, if we're going to stick to the stereotypes, um, I can struggle with the intensity of emotion. I'll give you an example. The, The first funeral I ever did 
I was uh, working as a student minister in Melbourne, and it was the funeral of a Sri Lankan man who I had never met in my life. Um, I didn't know any of his family, but it was a good opportunity to start learn how, learning how to conduct a funeral. And um, I did the preparation, and um, at the funeral, I was leading the funeral, and I, I heard the stories about this man's life, and, and I saw the grief um, that his death had caused uh, in his family. And as I was leading that funeral, I became unexpectedly and overwhelmingly emotional. Uh, I was meant to be organizing the funeral and, and, and making sure it was all coming together. And yet all I could do was weep. I was weeping and crying and I was meant to be running the funeral. It was an absolute mess. And in the end, I had to sit down. And after the funeral, I was devastated. I, I apologized to the family. Um, I, I castigated myself for the way that I'd let everyone down. I apologized to the senior minister. But as I look back on that, I've come to see that, that maybe in that moment, I experienced a more fully human emotion than I normally would in the face of grief and suffering and death. And to my surprise, the, the family were incredibly moved by my emotional shambles that that had become their funeral service. In fact, I think probably more moved than in any other funeral I've done since, and I've done lots. So what would the emotion have looked like for Jesus as he was at a funeral? Would he have been over-emotional? Would he have been under-emotional? No, Jesus had pure, untouched emotions. And let's see what it looks like together as we come to this chapter in Luke chapter 7. Because the scene of today's encounter is a funeral. It takes place in a backwater, small little town in the middle of nowhere called Nain. Jesus and his followers were told a large crowd of disciples and onlookers are, are moving towards the gate of the town when a, a procession is coming out of the town. And we're told in verse 12 that as Jesus drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The two crowds intersect for a moment, a crowd of followers of disciples coming in and a, 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 a funeral procession coming out. And if you have seen a Middle Eastern funeral, let me tell you, it's not like a kind of dignified affairs in Australia where people are dressed in black and there's nice cars and, and there's the sort of formalities we go through. I've seen a funeral in Jerusalem and they are emotional affairs. There are, are people who are crying, are people who are wailing, some people who are screaming. And you should imagine that here. Because we're told not only is this funeral for a young man, but the young man, the dead man lying on the bier, is the only son of a woman who is a widow. Now, it's easy for us to miss the import of those words. We, we understand what it must have been for a woman to lose her only son. She was his, she was, he was her little boy. He was her only son. All her motherly love was, was focused on him and now he is gone and the emotional anguish, we, we can understand that. She's bereft. Her relationship with her son, who she loved so much, is bereft. There's no husband. It's only him. And now he's gone. But that's only a part of the picture. 
Uh, Today in Australia, we are blessed to have a social security system. We're blessed to have superannuation. We're blessed to have life insurance. But for this woman, then, there was none of that. Her son was her superannuation. Her son was her life insurance. Her son was her social security. And all of that is lying on the bike. All of that is dead with her son. And almost certainly that means for her now a life of exclusion, a life of isolation, and probably a life of poverty. And so the two crowds meet at the gate. They intersect for just a moment and what happens in this encounter is truly wonderful. Jesus sees it. He takes it all in and verse 13 tells us, and when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her. It sounds rather non-eventful, doesn't it? He had compassion on her. He, he felt sorry for her in her suffering, we might say, in modern English. But the word that's used here in the original language for compassion is, is a far stronger word than feeling sorry for someone or empathizing for some, with someone's hurt and pain. And when it says Jesus had compassion on her, the word means a, an inward churning of your emotions, your, your gut, your bowels, as they used to say. Your, your innermost part of you is roiling in turmoil and it's, it's gut-wrenching a moment that's pour, emotion that's pouring out. It's deep feeling. Indeed, in Acts chapter 1, verse 18, it's the same root word that's described to picture what happened when Judas hangs himself and his entrails burst out on the ground. It's the same word. Um, This is the emotion that Jesus is feeling, the inner turmoil and churning. Uh, This is emotion of a, a pure human being, unmarred by sin. And the depth of emotion is intense. It's it's like a tsunami that's rising up and then crashing down on the head of this woman. Not so much on the dead man on the bier. He's almost a prop to this encounter. Jesus' focus is unwaveringly and directly on this woman. Notice that she doesn't reach out to him. She may not have even have seen him, blinded by a sin, surrounded by the mourners, but he sees her. And he knows her. And he sees what is going on in her heart. And he has compassion on her. And he comes up to her and he says to her, Do not weep. What what did they think, those who heard that? Well, thanks, Jesus. That's really nice of you to say that. Do not weep. Very easy for you to say. Very little practical help. And then we're told, he comes, he he stops the bearers, and he reaches out and he touches the bar on which the dead man lay. As we heard last week, this would, would have caused a gasp because Jesus has just deliberately made himself ceremonially unclean. He has to leave the crowd. He has to go and isolate. Whatever that day's plans were are now done because the Old Testament law, God's law, is very specific. Jesus is now unclean. And then 
this unclean man who has come up and given platitudes of comfort to a grieving widow, then says to the dead body something that would have been completely tragic and laughable if anybody else but Jesus had said it. He says, young man, I say to you, arise. That day, as I did that funeral in Melbourne, I felt maybe a twinge of the compassion that God feels in the face of suffering and of death. But all I could do in that moment was weep with those who were weeping and mourn with those who were mourning. Jesus feels an overwhelming compassion. He feels an overwhelming emotion as he confronts this scene, this real-life scene in real-life people. But unlike me, you just had the power to weep. Jesus has got the power to do something about it. And he does something with a single command, arise. And then to everybody's shock, the young man sits up. Picture yourself seeing that scene. What's going on in the face of that destitute mother? What emotions run through her? Like, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But if you've got any scary of imagination, you know. Maybe it was shock. Maybe it was, was awe. Um, maybe it was disbelief. Certainly it was joy. He's there. He, he's alive. What emotions must have boiled up inside of her as the tears that were flowing of, of tragedy and destitution become tears of joy and hope, a future has been restored. But I love to imagine what, what, what emotions were going on in Jesus' heart at this point. He'd been moved by compassion. Now what? Has he got a big smile? Maybe. In his heart, is there now joy? Is there now a sense of triumph? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know what was going on in Jesus' heart. But the thing that we do know is that he, has, he was overwhelmed with compassion and the compassion that he had overwhelmed and exceeded her need for that compassion. So church, a couple of things. Number one, Jesus has emotions. And these emotions are not like a, a sudden spring storm that it can arise out of nowhere and then disappear just as suddenly. Or the giant wave when you're out on the, the ocean surfing, you see it coming, you think this is going to provide the ride of my life and by the time it gets to you, it just fades away. The compassion that Jesus feels is, is not just something that, that, that comes and goes, it is a reflection of who he really is of who God the Father is. And as God the Son lives in the world, this is His bent, compassion. This is the word that is used more often than any other to describe the Lord Jesus as He goes around in His life doing good. Jesus had compassion again and again in the encounters we see that this is what moves the Son of God. It's steady and unwavering and overwhelming. Jesus felt emotion. 
He feels emotion now. And friends, he continues to feel emotion. And this, and this bent of compassion didn't just go on there and then cease. It, it didn't go on there and be powerful and strong and then over the years waver away into nothing. It is poured out on you. The tsunami of God's compassion rises up above you and crashes down upon you. His heart still burns with compassion for you. And remember, once again, this woman did absolutely nothing to initiate this. Jesus initiated it. Jesus did all of it. So, so zoom out for a moment. Zoom out uh, from the details of this scene and zoom out to think about, it, about what it means. Jesus has compassion on you because God the Father loves you. And before the creation of the world, before you had done anything right or wrong, before you were even knit together in your mother's womb, the Bible said that God's compassion was poured out on you. The Father's heart was moved to pity as he considered you as he considered the way that your life would be lived, lost and without hope in the world, and he sent his only son into the world who was moved by compassion to save you. The scripture tells us that when you were still a sinner, that was when Christ died for you. When you could do nothing to contribute to anything, God showed his compassion in sending his son who died for you. The compassion of God is in Jesus Christ is poured out on you. And, and think about that. Um, as Jesus just didn't feel emotion, he acted on emotion and he did something far greater than he did for the woman of Nain. Just raising her son, that was, that was an amazing gift. It was costless for Jesus in one sense. He touched and he said, arise. But God, when you were still sinful, would send his son to die for you and that would require costly action, not just an easy word. And this is who Jesus still is. Sometimes I think in our theological camp, uh, we tend to think about what's going on in the cross, in the atonement, and we think of it, it's easy to think of it in dry theological terms. We can say, oh, Jesus is fulfilling the atonement. Jesus is satisfying the wrath of God. Jesus is pulling together all the loose ends of our systematic theology, and we can forget what he actually felt. And what did he feel? Well, I tell you the Jesus who was moved by compassion when he saw the destitution of the widow of Nain was moved by a compassion for a world that was lost. His, he was, in his heart was churning emotion. And let me tell you that the nails didn't hold him there on the cross. Nails couldn't hold the Son of God. Compassion held him. Compassion for the world that was lost could hang, hold him on the cross to the very end until he would say it is finished. This is who Jesus is. This is who he was, this is who he is, and friends, this is who he will be through all eternity. The Son of God, Jesus, flesh in heaven, right now stands at the Father's side and He pleads for you and His heart is moved by compassion for you and for me. 
and his compassion results in actions. Arise, he says. So zoom out. And now zoom right back in. Right back into your world right now. Jesus feels compassion for you. In all of our brokenness, in all of our suffering, he doesn't just tolerate our weakness. He doesn't just kind of bear with us because he's got to, because he won us on the cross like a, 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 a present we get at Christmas that we didn't really want, but we can't re-gift it. We are God's precious possession. We are united in Christ and his emotions and his passions for you are overwhelming. The tsunami still rises over you this day. It still breaks down upon you, crashes upon you in mercy and compassion. But I, I hear you say, Andrew, that's all so wonderful. But where was my miracle? Where was my moment when I was like the widow of Nain? And unlike her, she didn't even ask for help. I asked for help. I pleaded with you, God. I asked for you to come in my weakness and brokenness and take me out of it, and you didn't answer. So good on you for helping that widow long ago, but where were you when I needed you? Where was my miracle, Jesus? And I say to you, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't do what he could have done in that moment of your need. And maybe you feel it right now and you feel that God is distant. And you say, well, where's my miracle now? Where's the total life-changing transformation that could happen in this instant? Because God, if you're God, you've got the power to do it. Why don't you? My answer is, I don't know. I don't know why Jesus doesn't take away all of the pain like he did with the widow of Nain. But I do know that this is still my Jesus. And he's your Jesus. If you have been saved by his gift on the cross, if you've been saved by his blood, the Bible says that's the hard thing. It's already done. Your spiritual death has been transformed into eternal overwhelming life. That's the hard thing. Do you not think he won't do the easy thing as well? Do you not think that he will reach out to you in your brokenness and your weakness? He's got the power to. He can stop it with a word. He might not have done so yet, but one day he will. Because you know the compassion that flowed out on behalf of that dear woman was amazing, but it was very transient, wasn't it? In terms of her life, it was overwhelming, but in terms of history, it was transient. He, Jesus uh, performed a resuscitation, a bringing back to life of a dead young man. And he gave him back to his mother in that beautiful moment, but it was transient. That young man died. That widow has been dead for thousands of years. It was, it was just a, a brief act of mercy and compassion but it's long gone. But it points forward to what Jesus is going to do as he's moved by his compassion. That Jesus is going to go to the cross, that Jesus is going to deal with spiritual death as well as physical death. 
but it points even further forward than the cross. It points to the consummation of all things. Do you know that there will come a moment if you're a Christian when Jesus will reach and touch the buyer on which you lie and he will say, arise. Do you know that the ears that, that you listen to this right now with and the eyes that you see right now with will hear and will see those things? And in that moment, when he says, arise, you will arise. And your eyes will open and in that moment, your heart will be flooded with the full gamut of true, real, purely human emotion. In that moment, you will be fully human as you've never been fully human before and you will feel the same emotions that the Lord Jesus feels in all of their strength and beauty. You'll feel the joy of, you, of Jesus' love and, and relationship with His Father. You'll feel the wonder of day after day of pure, sweet pleasure. The psalmist says, in, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In that moment when the Lord Jesus says, arise to you, He takes you by the hand as He did to that other young girl, the daughter of Jairus, and raises her up. You will feel and know the true emotions that now are just a shadow. You will feel what it is to be fully human. And I love it how C.S. Lewis, the author, puts this. And he talks in that moment that, that the compassion of God outworked in raising you spiritually and physically from the dead will then work backwards. Throughout all the brokenness and suffering of your life the griefs and the pains and the disillusionment and the loss and the tragedies will all be overwhelmed by the tsunami of emotions of joy and beauty and wonder. This is what it means that the Lord Jesus has compassion. And we need to hear this, don't we? Don't we need to hear that His heart has moved compassion for us in the world in which we live right now? the world in which some of us carry heavy burdens about what is going on in a society. Some of us have lost jobs. We're in trouble in so many ways, it seems. There's, there's division, there's disunity, there's pain, there's uncertainty, there's, there's fear. We need to hear Jesus say, arise. Flowing from the compassion that he feels that results in action. And, and we need to hear that in this world, whether or not the vaccine has horrible um, side effects that we're not aware of, whether or not we, we lose our jobs for one reason or another, from economic uncertainty or, or from vaccine hesitation, whether or not we contract COVID and it, and it devastates our bodies, it kills us or it ruins our lives or it continues to ruin the world in which we live for generations to come, it changes nothing from the compassion that God feels. This is, this, is, this is a flea. It's insignificant. It'll be swept away and gone because Jesus says, behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you, so don't let your heart be troubled. Because if I go to that place, I will come and I'll take you to be with me where I am. Arise. So as we stand in the midst of this brokenness, 
And as we feel these emotions, these are emotions that are natural and are good and actually are right. But don't become caught up in them. Don't look inwardly and only see these things right now. This text would say to us that soon Jesus will say, arise. His compassion is in us now. He is for us. He is preparing a place for us and he will take us to be with him. These things in the scope of eternity will be insignificant. So take heart. The Lord Jesus is compassionate. He feels compassion for you and he acts on it. And church, let's, as we are transformed by the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, let's also show compassion to those who are suffering. In a sense, we, like Jesus, can look at the situations of those around us and we can leave our own situation and we can look out and we can and should feel the compassion that he felt for a world that was lost, for a world that is hopeless, for a world that, 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 that lives only for now and so coronavirus takes away everything and it's devastating when we are here as temporary residents. Coronavirus can't touch us. Let's feel compassion for those who are lost. And let's feel compassion and, and act in compassion towards those within our church community who differ from us. Who may hold different views. Let, let's, let's show compassion to one another. Let's reach out in love as the Lord Jesus did for us. So, friends, does the Lord Jesus have emotions? You bet he does. What is the emotion that is most described of him? It's compassion. Deep inner moving towards the suffering of those the Lord Jesus came to save. Does Jesus have the power to deal with that, emo- well, that situation that has caused the compassion to arise? Yes, he does. Young man, I say to you, arise. Church, let's pray. Father, we desperately need your compassion. We thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to show us what your compassion is like in the world. Thank you, Lord, that he feels these emotions so deeply and purely, and he acts on them completely. And thank you that because of his compassion, we are free, that spiritually we were dead and now we are alive, that all of this world is in a different perspective, that Jesus you have shown us that you are the king, that you have the power over death and that you will and have triumphed. And when you say arise, you mean arise. So fill us with hope this week. Fill us with the compassion of God and help us, Lord, to show that compassion to the world in which we live, which needs it so desperately. Help us to do this for the sake and for the glory of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.